Hello and welcome back to W Rated, the podcast where we willingly watch the world's worst rated movies and in today's episode we are delving into yet another film on IMDb's bottom 100 list. I feel like we should pre-record these. We can can pre-record them one day, we can take a little like a 10 minute on Saturday and pre-record them. One day we'll take, we'll do a bit extra so that we save the rest. But it's, you know, it, it would feel, I think it would feel weird if I didn't do it anyway. In today's episode, we are delving into another film on IMDb's bottom 100 list, welcoming yet another new special guest. We're very lucky we keep getting all these lovely new guests on the show. Um, but for any new listeners, my name is Daisy and as always, I'm joined by podcast co-creator, editor and host, Claire. How are you doing today, Claire? Hello, uh, I am good. I am still having some ADHD induced anxiety with those weird ticks, and I'm definitely not going to do any of these during the call because only future Claire will have to edit them all out. Where I nervously oh, no. drum on my pen, and, and so yeah, I'm, right. You know, this is a note to future me when I listen back to this. I'm sorry. <laughs> could we? Maybe we could um, get you something like soft to like so you can still do it but you don't have to deal with the with the noise um i'll have a think about what something sensory for you (laughs) i have to like i feel bad for our listeners because i wish i could give them end of sentence i just feel bad yeah but i wish i could give them the pre-edit versus what i release because sometimes our audio quality like i do my best it's still not 100 percent. but so i almost want to like release what it was before to be like guys just just know how much effort I've put into making this sound not shit. <laughs> Look at the absolute chaos and it's just like things crashing and banging and coughing I, and spluttering. The, the worst thing is when I listen back and I think about all the times I guest on other people's podcasts and I'm like, they must fucking hate me. Why, what are you doing? Like, breathing I, into the microphone? Breathing into the microphone, making loads of noise on the chair, like kicking the desk, picking up and putting down things, knocking things over. I just... <laughs> See what you should do is um I sit on my bed and cross my legs. My legs go dead about an hour in, less than an hour in, so I can't move anyway. <laughs> I don't have anything to it. I keep everything. I'm like in a padded, practically in a padded cell to avoid any of that. Um, but we we move. We, we've lasted this far. People are still listening. You're doing a great job. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I think I needed that. I might cut all of this out. We'll see. Well, let's see. If you if it's in there um, and you like our little morale-boosting intro, then uh, let us know. Um, and if you need one, maybe we could do like a cameo or like a, as part of a Patreon or something. <laughs> anyway, today we are very excited um, to have joining us film writer, critic and podcast showrunner, Russell Bailey. Russell, welcome to the podcast. And thank you for listening to all of the muttering <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast. That was very entertaining. I, I find it very entertaining. And thank you for letting me come onto your podcast. It's it's a delight. Oh, we're so pleased you think so. And we have to call out straight away something I noticed as soon as you joined the call today is that you have a very special background. And I think it would be perfect for you to talk about this now. As usually we ask our guests to intro what film we're going to be talking about. So do you want to tell us what your background is, what film we're talking about, and uh, if you've got any like relationship with it or if this is a first watch? Yeah, so my background is a uh, sort of screenshot backdrop from one of the Far Cry Cry games. I think it might be the fourth one. I think it's the one set in the Himalayas. So yeah, so today we're talking about the Far Cry film from 2008, Ubal's Far Cry film. I have never seen this film, 
I have never seen an Ubol film until this weekend. Oh, so welcome. This is me <laughs> watching my first Ubol film. It's like tapping the uh, sofa where like Homer's like join <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah. And um yeah, I uh I'm very familiar with the Far Cry franchise as a game, but this this film has a reputation, so I kind of avoided it until <laughs> until this uh, episode. Yeah, I mean, we've as we've discussed at length on that our Uwe Boll podcast episodes, um, the reputation seems to massively precede uh, all of his films. I gave it a name on Twitter and I forgot what it was, but it's like Uwe Bollapalooza or something for the summer because <laughs> we're just releasing like if, loads of names. If it wasn't called that, it now should definitely be called that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to Google. Maybe we. What is that called? <laughs> Indeed. And if there's anything that kind of is a complete oxymoron to how I've ended up feeling watching them. It <laughs> was Uwe, Bo- Uwe Bolanza Summer. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. It really has been. It really has been. So we're very excited to welcome, uh, welcome you to the club, Russell. We've watched, um, I think this might be our fourth Uwe Boll film now so we okay. have watched uh, Blood Rain um, In the Name of the King and Alone in the Dark Alone in the Dark and they've happened in relatively quick succession I mean Blood Rain um, we did last year but this is our third Rain we did almost do previously. in a row did he do House of um, the Dead as well Am yes. I right think he's and are House we doing House of the Dead, well? yes. the Dead anytime soon yeah it's on the list it's on the list the, the reason we haven't done it so far is just because um, we've been prioritising stuff that's on streaming um we 100 percent want to support uh creators but um considering they're not great films it's always nice to prioritize <laughs> ones that you're already paying for anyway and it just so happens that you know all of these streamers have gone on a bit of a uve bowl uh Freebie, I don't know, run and, and got all maybe they had a bit of a discussion he was made a few deals and he's covered off on a few few of the streaming services yeah freebie's an interesting one that's how we watched it um love the sort of jump scare of adverts in the middle of <laughs> I don't, so i watch a lot of freebie and i actually Ooh, what's on there I other than i know it's judge judy now because no, of yeah judge adverts. judy always comes on no matter what i watch it always comes on often um I paid for a VPN so that I could permanently have my internet set to UK internet because Freebie doesn't exist in Ireland, and um, so that I could watch Neighbours. I watched twenty episodes <laughs> of Neighbours today. Twenty? Um, Do you yeah, watch it while you work? Today? Just today. I watch it while How I work. How long the episodes? Like twenty minutes. Oh, I thought so they were longer. Like no, no, they're like half an hour with adverts on the okay. telly. Um, but so normally I don't get that many adverts because I watch so much Neighbours. They're like, it's okay, hon, you just roll on and yeah. i just get the little they're like there's still. like an, a little alarm that goes off yeah. at freebie hq where they go claire's watched like a few in a row now should we just let her not have the <laughs> let adverts her. for a while well, i watch yeah. it to sleep as well and last night it kept like after an episode ended it would load up the next episode but it wouldn't play it because it's like they've seen sleep and i'd be like no not like <laughs> <laughs> and this Roll one on. eye pops open like i see you play the next episode my housemate i think hears the theme tune like at all times in the night i think it haunts her sleep um anyway what i was gonna say is i don't normally get the adverts but there were quite a lot of adverts during far cry i don't know if because it was a movie yeah. um and i just saw the worst advertisement for get out i think i've ever seen get out being oh. a wonderful film an oscar yeah. nominee if not winner 
and it made it look like a really cheap as fuck like channel five afternoon movie and i was like wow oh. editing man editing That's, that was an unnecessary I, I, can't side I can't believe you've already used your channel four my channel five uh, uh yeah channel five sorry uh yeah, channel four movies are good um, channel four has film four let's let's yeah, not sorry. be yeah Sorry, that was a complete. That was not the opposite of a Freudian slip. Um, but yeah, I do. Um, they don't tend to have the, uh, the what I would call the bedside manner of uh, of the broadcasters in terms of like picking the right moment to cut and then going to an advert. No. They just stop before the dialogue's finished, and then you catch the end of it when it comes back, which is. Quite entertaining, considering it, this is quite a boring film, but we will get into that. <laughs> um, and I was just thinking what else I was going to ask. So we ended up talking about what we were uh, watching it on. But Russell, you mentioned that you were a big fan mm. of the video game franchise. Mm. I haven't played it. Um, Claire, I don't know if you... No, I'm not very big gamer. You know uh, mm-hmm. I feel like Far Cry... So my brothers were gamers, and I feel like Far Cry was mm. a little bit after their time in that, like, they did that. Um, so I no longer had access to a PlayStation. Um, but I have heard mm-hmm. of it. Unlike all of the other Uwe Boll adaptations, I'd never heard of any of them. I had heard of Far Cry. Right. I feel like mm. 2, 3, or 4 was pretty big. Like, I feel like at some point Far Cry... Number 3 was the like the one that really um, mm. kind of broke out, like mm-hmm. had like, a villain in it that was everywhere for a time. Yeah, I remember like um, seeing adverts and it being like a, kind of becoming a bit of a household name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... Yes, I have played all of them, part actually the one that this is based off of. I haven't played the first one. I think I've watched Five Minutes of a Friend many years ago, like when I was 18. So it's been around for a long time because I'm in my 30s now. So it's been around for a while. Um, and there's And what it is, is it tends to drop you in a kind of quite extravagant place. So like the, the third, the second's in an uh, African country. The third one is this tropical island. The fourth is the Himalayas. I think the fifth is America, like the Midwest, like some kind mm-hmm. of like backwater America. And the sixth is uh, like a Cuban island. And mm-hmm. what's his face? He's in Breaking Bad. And he plays Carlos 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 Carlos. I just yeah, love so he was, saying his name. <laughs> yeah. So he's the villain in the sixth. And they always kind of have like this like extravagant villain that pops up every four or five missions that just comes up and torments you and then goes away and then at some point you kill them um and i guess the problem and we might get into this is that the games kind of have a plot but it's more about exploring the island taking it over taking out bases Mm. doing missions a bit like sandbox game kind of yeah so it's a sandbox and it's like ubi uh ubisoft yeah yeah. do it for like three or four franchises where it's like there's maybe an hour and a half of plot across a 20 hour game like that's 30 hours so like it's something really fun like i really enjoy the third and the fourth one and i've kind of the last few i've got bored of because you kind mm. of get lost and you just find yourself killing random people you go, but wait what am i meant to do mm. with this thing you introduced at the start um yeah so i, I know the games pretty well like, i've played some of them several times like mm. they're a lot of fun um but i haven't played the one this is based off of because <laughs> well, i I mean, getting into a bit of like researchy background stuff, but when I, the very tiny bit of research I did, um, whoops, once again, I'm just phoning it in on Bolanza Summer. To be fair, you do edit every episode, so well, I don't mind doing a bit more of a heavy lifting. Well, no, to be, there was so nothing like, though, to be fair, on this. This lot, was, I think, had the least written about it yeah. on the internet. 
I also like done. just keep flying places and doing stuff, and I maybe need just to keep like sleep. having a life, and it's just no. I make bad life. choices and overstretch myself. <laughs> um, but anyway, where was I? See, I told the ADHD man I'm just on like seven it's different planets good. today. Um, when I looked it up, it seemed like the first game actually wasn't a Ubisoft game. That Ubisoft like bought the game after it had been in somewhat production because they were saying yeah. when they were releasing Far Cry Two that they did it, the creators of Far Cry 2 said they didn't want anything to do with the movie and they didn't want a sequel to the movie because Bowl right. bought the rights before the game even came out. Before when the game, the game was announced, out, yeah. he bought the rights and I think it was before Ubisoft became even involved and I don't know how much then Ubisoft put in new creatives or whatever. Um, so it makes sense that maybe it's also not one you've played because it's probably like, not that different from them, but probably... Mm. Yeah, and I think it, yeah, it's less exploratory. I know it's kind of you're on a tropical island, you're killing soldiers, and at some point, uh, as happens in this, super soldiers pop up, and you have to kill them as well. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's a much more straight uh, first-person shooter. Like, they're all first-person shooters, but there's a degree of exploring and hunting and, and other tasks you can do. And you can drive in the second one onwards. I think, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think the first one was mostly PC only. Like. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a PC right. gamer. I've always been a Sony boy, so I've had PlayStation consoles. <laughs> and so I'm not very good at PC. Except Half-Life, bizarrely. Love Half-Life. Oh, I've been watching a streamer play that, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been getting much more into my gaming. Um, I've got a console and I've got a PS5, and I've kind of been going back on my Xbox One as well and playing some sort of, like, the older classic stuff people really love that like sort of um xbox 360 xbox one era but it's really interesting what you said russell about the far cry series and the kind of um issues that some people have with its gameplay because it's exactly what my partner said he gets really bored because it's this th- kind of a tick list of now unlock this which unlocks that mm. which gets you there and but if it's interesting you said it's not got much of a plot there's not really much payoff um and that it's kind of replicated across some of their other games like assassin's creed and things like that so i have not played it maybe i'll play it at some point um but what i found really interesting about the whole link to being a video game with bowl again is that he even bought the rights before this the game even come out so it, it really doesn't feel like it's this draw towards these games that he played that he loved or he's got this thing it's just i think a business decision mm to buy these rights, um, have a name attached to it, have a studio attached to it, have so- like other stakeholders attached to it. Really should have asked him that question when I had the link to ask a question, shouldn't I? <laughs> Let myself uh, down there. I thought you I thought you asked him something related I to I came that, up with questions. So my cousin had an interview with him last week and asked if we had any questions. And um, I came up with questions and I sent them to Daisy. Did I send them to my cousin? oh my god my little brain is so tired no that's Um, fair yeah i remembered after the fact i remembered that night then it's that day at work was like absolutely mental i didn't have time to check my phone until 8 p.m that day so i was like well listen it would have been a nice bonus um but i don't know what questions the interview hasn't been released yet but i know it was an interview for um on the name of the website but it's like video game in there or something like that and it's all about the video game adaptations and i will be cross-posting it when it comes out so maybe we'll get some answers yeah maybe we can look back um well look at it when it when it comes out and on an episode on an episode if there's anything that we've sort of theorized on um and he's touched upon we can uh and do maybe- some 
bowl myth busting. <laughs> maybe we maybe we can be grown ups one day and attempt to maybe interview him. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> I don't know how much you know about uh Uwe Boll Russell, but he's been known to challenge his critics to a uh, boxing match. <laughs> I we need to watch that film, Daisy. I'm putting it in. The it's thing. the documentary, right? Yeah, we do um a film called Postal. Mm-hmm. Is that him? Yes. So, like, my awareness of Ubal is that I think twenty odd years ago, or maybe fifteen years ago, he was a massive director. Not in that he was making films that were successful but they was hugely prolific making like you like the games you've mentioned are in gaming circles like i'm a house of the dead um cabinets in arcades mm. i have no played alone in the dark but i'm aware of it i think there's a new one with david yeah. harbour and i'm looking forward to that i'm gonna play that killing eve she's in it um yeah so like i'm aware of him because like maybe 10 15 years ago he seemed to be in like empire and total film a lot as kind of like the mm. the curious story mm. about him was that he was just making these films um and also that he was uh, um is he prickly or is he just i think he's like a good salesman yeah he's both in that he kind of was probably on the very start of like those kind of like internet figures who would say contentious stuff Mm. and then get attention because like now everyone does it like everyone famous does that but like he was a very early proponent of that like my cousin paul said after the interview that it was a great interview and he could have chatted to him all day that he was so chatty and so willing to talk so that's great you know the thing is a lot of when we've spoken about before we go we must remember to go into (laughs) (laughs) talk about the actual film i'm sorry this is all me um, so sorry (laughs) but no 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 it's just i think it's because this is kind of like such an accumulation of where we've been so far with all of his films and the fact that this is the biggest franchise that he's like been involved with because they're still making games, these games today and that it is that they are the most famous. But, um, and now I've lost my train of thought. Um, But no, what I wanted to say was we've not really had a massive issue with him. Mm. Um, We've given him some fair compliments along the way yeah, i'm sure we'll touch touch upon those in what he can do well um we've touched upon that people have gone out of their way to work with him and they want to work with him he's you know rubbed some people up the wrong way but i don't think that i think we've got that curiosity around him that hopefully would would get some really interesting conversations and like answers out of him so Let's, we're gonna, we'll look into it. We'll um, put on our big girl pants and we'll... We will, because uh... I also want to do a bonus episode <laughs> for the end of Balanza Summer. I want us to watch the doc together. And just yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm in England for a few days at the end of August, so maybe we can... Perfect. Yeah. I've actually got some time off at the end of August, so oh, that's us. not how I expected to spend it, but... <laughs> well, we're <laughs> no joking, because I'd want to see you. <laughs> we'll be saving a day of her holiday just for you. There we go. And remind me what the... The film's a, a documentary, right? It's a documentary not made by him about all the boxing matches he had with all the critics. It's be very good. Right. There we go. And then we better get training. <laughs> um, so, let's talk about Far Cry. Far Cry 2008. Um, it's an action film. Very action-y. We've always said action films with Uwe Boll before and then we've gone down to it and we're like, this isn't oh no sorry no, whatever genre we've horror. said that it is yeah. yeah it's ended up not quite being that but this is definitely an action film um get loosely adapted from the video game of the same name um 
It, uh, <clears throat> the synopsis of the film is that an ex-Special Forces soldier turned boatman, <laughs> so literally someone who owns a boat and hires it out, um, is hired by a journalist to investigate a top-secret military base on a nearby island. Um, as we have um, already covered, the film is directed by Uwe Boll um, and stars um, Till Schweiger, who um, you may know him from Inglourious Bastards. Um, he also um, led a film called Knocking on Heaven's Door. Um co-starring Emmanuel Vega. She's in Saw 2. Did you recognise her from the Saw series? I recognised her from an episode of Charmed Season 4. Yes, she plays Gypsy and her grandmother is murdered and she has to learn to see her third eye. I used to be able to tell you quotes and I used to be able to tell you like based on Every episode of season four of Charmed, I could tell you all the spells they used, all the costumes they wore. Just four? Just Just season season four? four. Oh, interesting. Why is that? Because that was the (laughs) season that Rose McGowan's character Paige was brought into it, and I was like, mad. I think I've spoken in the past about, like, Uh, Rose McGowan, teenage obsession, fan sites, and the like. Yeah, that's... Oh, right, I see. Yeah, yeah, I had a similar thing with the band The Killers. Um... Um, no, what what fifteen year old girl doesn't to... want to be a forum moderator on RoseMcGowanOnline.net? No, <laughs> fuck, have a boyfriend. <laughs> I always find it really interesting. Like, I love as I get older and I watch more stuff. I recognise people from more places, but it's always interesting to see the differences depending yeah, on what she will watch. only ever be that girl from Charmed for me. If you were in right. season well, four all... of Charmed, you will only ever be a character from Charmed in my mind. Right. You're stuck in that universe. Yeah. Um she's also in CSI New York for quite a few episodes that might also be a familiar face for people. Udo Kier is in this film. Oh, I remember um, when we started doing this podcast I was really excited when Udo Kier would pop up in a film. And now I'm just like, oh yeah. there he is. There he is. So remind me so I know from um from just just to flag to people who might not have seen other films he's in, but he's in a few big films. He's in Suspiria, the original, and he's also in Melancholia as well. But remind me what films he's been in, the ones that we've covered. He was in Fear.com. That was it. He's And he's definitely been in another one or two of uh, Uwe Boll's films as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, because maybe that... we watch Fear.com Fear. isn't isn't Uwe Boll, is No, it? we watched that last year. And the film that I love him for, which I always recommend when I have the opportunity to, is a 20... I think it's either 2020 or 2021 film. No, sorry, 2021 or 2022 film. No, brain. Oh, my God, 2020 or 2021. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, Um It was film. And it's called Spawn Song. And he plays a... Um, aging hairdresser um, an aging gay hairdresser and he like goes back to his past because of the death of someone that was close to him um, and it's just like this mad like road trip on foot and it's just one of the most like powerful performances it's like my top five of that year it is a stunning mm. film and if you like kind of small indie dramas and you like LGBT films but it's both really heartbreaking and really uplifting um, and I never missed an opportunity to promote that film because I probably said the same thing last time, but that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> and I will check it out. <laughs> you might have to remind me again, but I will. Um, so, yes, there's a few familiar faces there. Um, and, yeah, I'll hold on to that piece of trivia, actually, until we go into the film about Till Schweiger that we got told by a previous guest. We can, we can mm-hmm. delve into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But what I'd love to get chatting about is the film itself. Um before we go in though, Claire, I know that we usually we usually mention whether we've seen or heard 
or whatever before. I know none of us played the game. I think it was one of those ones where I might have seen the poster before, I might have thought it was the game, that kind of thing in terms of level of awareness, but until we saw the, the list. 2008. I was at uni, man. I was, I was finally discovering boys. Uh, it, took, it took me a while. <laughs> she was off the forums. <laughs> I was. I stopped working on the forums the big when I was because my uh, dorms didn't have Wi-Fi, so I couldn't be uh, internet girl anymore. So I had to, you know... Off to the World Wide Web and into off. the big wide world. Yeah, that was me. That was me. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, we both didn't know about it before then. This is our fourth Uwe Boll film. I think we were both kind of prepared for what it would be like, right? Yeah, I mean, I texted um, you. I texted you halfway through the film, and I said, "I'm going to have to get out my classic that normally is reserved for our Ramsey films, but true. this fi- this film was giving Channel Five afternoon movie. It was it was giving me Channel Five afternoon movie. That the the style, the acting, the editing, the, the adverts. music, the adverts. <laughs> it was it was giving Channel Five afternoon. Movie. It was giving me my grandpa would stop on it halfway through decide to watch the yeah. second half and be like that was like, really good flicking and through like, the telly ends up on like five star or five you were saying yeah. like, ah, I'll leave the five film. star no this is this is a five star film yeah. <laughs> specifically yeah. absolutely i agree russell what were your what were your initial reactions to this uh potentially damaging <laughs> replication um, of a game that you really like <laughs> So I, I, I was expecting worse. I'll be honest. Uh-huh. I, okay. I don't. I was expecting it to be a. It is functionally a film. It has a beginning, middle, and end. There are characters. We there love is that. A we plot. always we have to say because the way people talk about him makes it yeah, sound like just... he's just getting shit and smearing it on a wall and filming it. <laughs> yeah, his his reputation is far worse than his this yeah. film. Yeah. I will maybe, yeah. and I'm not going to promise I'm going to watch another one of his films because I wasn't. <laughs> So like yeah, I should should check out this bold character, see what else he's done. I wasn't like that. At the Life's end of too it. short, um, or so life is too short. <laughs> I, I I see the five star comment. I think it is. Yeah, I've seen the budget. And I'm surprised what the budget is, given the film I watched. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't enjoy it. It has a, the unfortunate thing that I sandwiched this between Barbie and Oppenheimer. So I watched Barbie. <laughs> On Saturday, watch this Sunday morning before my part. My partner wakes up at like nine, ten o'clock in the morning, so I get like a good two hours to watch a film of my choice. <laughs> if the kids aren't around, the kids weren't around, and then I went and watched Oppenheimer about a couple of hours afterwards. So it has a misfortune that I uh, think two of the best films I've seen this year. I got back and from Oppenheimer and put this on. So <laughs> it is a shit sandwich. Similar vibes. And it's just yeah, like Oppenheimer. <laughs> this film felt cheap in a way that. But it's probably better than some um, comic, not comic, video game films I've seen. It's definitely better than another Ubisoft-based film I've seen, the Assassin's Creed film. That this at least that's um, incoherent. That makes yeah, and it's like so. The problem with the Assassin's Creed games is that they've got two timelines. I've played like one of them and hated it, and my partner's played many in front of me. So it's like. There's a chap in the real world and he goes like this VR headset that allows him to tap into his past and then he becomes someone oh, in like Italy or he becomes a pirate. <laughs> yeah, and no, that's the thing. Like most of the game is not that, but then yeah. because it has that, the the film got tied up in knots that Michael Fassbender is both those versions and it's 
it doesn't make any sense. With this, at least made sense. I actually knew at all times what was going on. Sometimes there was a tonal shift that I think we'll get into. But mm. yeah, I think my first impression is it is surprisingly coherent, but doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's right. And I definitely... Fair assessment. You know, when like, you were like, this is an action film. Action comedy. Wasn't expecting the comedy. Very comedic. Yeah, the comedy is the... the leg pull for me yeah. and then i looked at what ubal has done and saying oh yeah he does a lot of comedy and i'm not sure if it's my comedy but he does comedies i did not register that there was comedy i mean involved <laughs> there's one character becomes quite prominent in the second half well i said he was the, the comic cook. relief what say that again like so like i i was watching it and then the cook turns up and from then on i was like wait is this meant to be a funny movie is this am i so it becomes a buddy yeah, film was... about yeah. halfway through yeah. Well, like, what I was going to say was, like, so I might mention my partner quite a lot in this episode because I watched it at his and therefore he watched about half of it with me. God bless him. Um, and now I really, he looked at me and I was like, oh, this is why, this is why you don't watch them with me. And I'm like, oh, I forget that this is not fun for regular people. <laughs> anyway, not, not I said, oh, say the, the co- well, no, but weird masochists. Um I was like, oh, the comic relief has showed up. And he looked at me and went, is that what it is? <laughs> like, with pure, just like, absolute, like, I give up with with it. A look on his face. Um, one of the one of the lines, um, one of the jokes cut, cut off by an advert. That's the one I remember. Because <laughs> it was halfway through the punchline, uh, which actually made it more interesting. Which is a shame if you think about it. Um, yes. So in terms of the overall vibe, action, we've got a bit of comedy coming into it at Have the end there. Have we explained what the film is about for anyone that hasn't seen it? I've said the, the synopsis, but if we can, we can go into no, a little bit No, no, this is like I've already forgotten story. everything we've spoken about. Like, I, I need to just go lie down. <laughs> um, well, we didn't go a... too much spoiler heavy. And I didn't give a spoiler warning. That's great, because we haven't done any spoils. So, spoilers onward from now. I'm not sure if that's phrased properly. You know the drill. If you want to watch it, pause it, come back. Hello, welcome back. There we go. <laughs> um. So, yeah, um, our main guy, Jack... I felt really confident and then I <laughs> retracted the statement. I'm pretty sure his name's Jack. Army man. Um, he, army man. <laughs> Action man. <laughs> We're going down a Barbie route. Um, he is ex-special forces and now he just wants to kick back on his boat, take really, really, really annoying couples <laughs> on whale hunting trips. Oh my God. The, the dialogue... Um, Stephen was like, it sounds like NPC characters but also, that are stuck on a loop. It was so, it was ADR'd, right? Like the, it was so yeah, heavy ADR'd. ADR'd. Fuck. Yeah, ADR'd fuck. Yeah, that really <laughs> threw me off having just got out of Oppenheimer and we, t- we give Nolan shit about his sound mixing, but I was like, Nolan would not sound for this. <laughs> it makes it feel so fake mm-hmm. and off mm-hmm. because I don't know how all of that works but clearly there's a function for adr that if it's done right you don't notice it so like you but see that... adr a lot in television and like ted lasso was interesting because season two of ted lasso i watched as screeners rather than when it was actually on apple tv and you would not realize how much of ted lasso is adr'd but because really? it's it's because it's the big group scenes 
And so it's probably not even that it's so much ADR that the change in the dialogue, it's probably that the dialogue wasn't crisp enough and things like that. But because I was listening, uh, because I was watching it and they weren't always finished episodes, they were still being edited, you would catch that it was ADR because it wouldn't have been mixed in as well. Mm. But it was always like two words or a quick sentence or a quick one-liner. This was a whole convert, a whole scene ADR'd. Like, you can get away with the odd little one. But Jesus, like, you can't just do the whole dark scene of dialogue. It's like and it's always as adverts. if they got them all to do it. You know, like how sometimes animations do where they're all in a room mm-hmm. and then they just go, right, go have the conference. It's almost as if they just re-recorded the whole film and just yeah. layered it over the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that is definitely something that we... Uh, that we pointed out to um so yeah so jack jack's the boatman annoying adr uh npc all of the acronyms uh whale hunting couple um and then our journalist comes along i must say they're not hunting the whales i think they just want to see yeah, the they're, just Sorry, whale spotting, whale they're, they're just whale spotting they're just whale watching i think whale watching. they're annoying but they're not whale killers <laughs> well we don't know justice we for the american them. couple we didn't see them. Maybe they did want to hunt them. They were so adamant about it. I mean, he's also so, a shit salesman, though, because he should have given them the whole spiel before they got on the boat, and he also should have been a little bit friendly, like they're paying for a service. And like, Oh, yeah, he's, mom- like, grumpy. That's his grumpy vibe. Man. Um, so our um, journalist, aforementioned journalist, um, which I mentioned in the synopsis, Valerie, comes along. She wants to go to um, an island where her uncle Max is working. They are meeting up to talk about something uh, secret, I believe, something they want to expose about the com- the military complex he's on. Claire, you look like you want to say something. So is she a journalist? Yes, at the start. Because the the Wikipedia article I reread today to remind me what happened in the movie said that he was a CIA <laughs> agent. So oh was, no, 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 no 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 no! That's was... revealed at the end. Uh, okay. it, uh, what? I didn't catch that. <laughs> I read, so I didn't catch it. But I didn't read the synopsis just to make sure I didn't miss anything. But it isn't the synopsis for Wikipedia that she's a CIA agent, which is why I was just really confused because but... I didn't remember because they don't really spend that much time like <laughs> setting her up. She... So she's a journalist at the start because the whole thing is that she has a good story, but they don't want to print it. I don't know. And why then Jack says something about story. her being a reporter, and she's like, mm, "I prefer the term journalist." That's why I remember it. Uh, well, then maybe she joins the CIA afterwards, or whoever. Well, right, Wikipedia like the, the, like the scene at the right at the end. I'm not gonna lie, I had to completely. Like which I had to read the Wikipedia article. Maybe maybe she moves into CIA after the whole the whole debacle. She yeah. decides to do have a career change. But the or but the whoever po- did yeah, the Wikipedia article got it wrong and paid as much attention <laughs> Sorry, as I clearly did. I always trust Wikipedia. <laughs> it's the number one most trusted source. <laughs> um, if anyone knows, please edit that or correct it or whatever. Um, yeah, like, I can't just come round to my house and edit it into the recording. No, the Wikipedia article. Oh. <laughs> we need our top guys on this. <laughs> so she's going along, I think because it's her uncle anyway, regardless of her uh, journalism career. Um, anyway, yeah, the, she wants, she's like, he's found out, found out he's going to give me a story, blah, blah, blah. I can't remember how much she knows. But, you know, she goes over to the island um, and... 
and yeah it kind of hits the fan um she goes i think she's meant to meet Matt, and then there's people like attacking the boat and i'm not gonna lie it was all just an action blur from there really yeah um, yeah and it, it was a complete from from the moment they landed on that island it's i think like they started a attacking little the veil boat. went over my face yeah and i a, don't a glaze. Re- a glaze and i don't really think i saw any more <laughs> um it was there but i don't know if my eyes connected to the screen no they attacked the bow and then they had to do the whole oh they get in the water and then they have to find a place to stay the night and then oh no we have oh and to then do they the had a bit whole... of a sexy scene yeah it's like oh she, you know if we're cold we, we need to do this thing war. in the army um where we share body heat and i you know i was doing i was like looking at steven going say it like the simpsons meme say it and he said the body heat and i went yeah <laughs> that's like pure cliche but not from the originals that's not where it came from it really is a cliche that's been t- 2008 that was used it's like come on man try and think of something else but i no, just thought that was it. that was the point in which i was like wait is this a comedy film because she was like you mean like spooning and he was like yeah and she went, okay with a big grin on her face and i was like <laughs> Now, is this intentionally or unintentionally funny? Because I'm confused. And then later when the cook showed up, I was like, oh, I think this is actually intentionally funny. I think they're in on the joke. I did not get that. I thought it was just shit. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was just cliche and awful and the tone was way off. Um, As as I would find with a Channel 5 film that it's just like, oh, something's not... You know those... Like a Hallmark, you know, with the, the making the jokes and it's just like... I see, I see it, um, but I don't feel it. <laughs> um, so they have that scene, and then the, the rest of the the rest of the film is essentially um, they're trying to find the uncle, uncover what's been happening, and on the other side of uh, this story is uh, Udo Kier. He's playing Doctor Krieger, um, and um, the whole conspiracy that's being uncovered is that he is making super soldiers. Um, now they are funny unintentionally. <laughs> very, very pasty. Very pasty. Apparently, being not super very muscular strong does not require you to have any melanin in your skin. Good for um, me. Good, good for me to know. Do they wear SPF? I've they look like they were wearing a lot of SPF. <laughs> They've been indoors for a lot. That's the thing. Say again, Russell. They've been indoors for their entire <laughs> life, so <laughs> that's so true. Never seen Let's the sun. Out, send them out with a parasol, will you? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's like the, the plot of the film is is them uncovering this and um, saving Max. Max gets injected with the serum at some point. Is it a serum? Have I just gone to like what I assume some it was? Some sort of experimentation and I assume a serum is involved. And then by the end, you know, um, the people who are on the military complex are working for, or half of them anyway, that were working for the doctor kind of realise this whole situation's a bit fucked up. I'm not quite sure how they came to that realisation, but they end up being on the side of Jack. Because they are trying to rescue Max, and so they send Max after him, and then he manages to convince Max, like, remember who you are, very much faster. And so (laughs) then he sends more super soldiers after them, and the super soldiers just kill without recourse. They're just like killing machines. So then right. half of the workers side with the doctor because they're like, he's our manager and we believe in his experiment. And the other half are like, oh, these fuckers are going to murder every single one of us. So they're like, and the we're going to go with the good differenti- guys. 
yeah, the way they differentiate those is like, because I was like, wait, who's in the camo and who's in the black? The people who are dressed in the black are more like the mercenaries and they're kind of operating under um, another uh, female character called Catcher Chernoff. So I think she's kind of like the mercenary that works with the Doctor and kind of run things around, runs things around the place with maybe the, the guys that are a little bit more dodgy than the <laughs> regular military guys. And that's how you know the... I was like, why are they fighting each other? And then you're like, oh, good. There's some color coding here. So I know that there's something, there is two sides. So yeah, they kind of stick by the experiment because they're the bad guys because they're in black. Um, and I can't actually remember how it ends. I assume that they win. Well, Max um, dies. Yeah, that pff, straight Again, up Again, this one, is but... only, thank you, Mr. Wikipedia, who got the woman's job wrong. Um, but Max dies <laughs> and Cook, the main guy, Mr. Soldier, oh, and his we lady didn't... friend, journalist slash CIA, um, escape, maybe with some other people, but not everyone. We didn't actually mention Emilio. Um, so he randomly gets sort of like swept up with the whole thing with Jack because he is there. Did you say he's a cook? I did not get that. Again, Wikipedia. <laughs> He he seemed to be delivering some food on a boat. Right. All I and know is that he wanted to eat his meatball sub. And then he was called Cook. So, I don't know. Interesting. Don't remember Basically, that. everyone could save some time and not listen to the episode and just, 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 just read the Wikipedia article. Which one's fake news? <laughs> um, but he kind of gets swept up in it all and then that's where the comedy, like buddy comedy element kind of comes in. Um, essentially, sort of Jack's undercover and he's trying to infiltrate... And then he it's a bit of like a slapstick kind of thing of him trying to overthrow Emilio, but then Emilio kind of gets wrapped up in it and they escape together um, away from people who are shooting at Jack. And there's like, you know, the whole jet uh, boat kind of like <laughs> going off a little, little, what's the word, ramp. Um, and them surviving that's it Ken's a bit of an adventure film in that aspect but then he's basically along for the ride they get handcuffed together at, at some point and there's a lot of quips exchanged back and forth I'm starting to remember the comedy now <laughs> um, so he was kind of along for the ride as the, the comic relief um, and then ends up working on the boat with Jack at the end um, so it kind of summarises the story I know you haven't played the first game, Russell, so I don't actually know if anyone knows if it's actually very related to the first game. So I, I think the super soldier bit is in the first game. I believe it's that you're, you are the Jack character investigating the island. I don't think there is a Valerie in it. I think it's just you are Jack. You go to this island, you start killing soldiers as one does, and then you uncover the secret the super soldier thing and yeah, but I think, so I think the main difference is this is clearly filmed in a Canadian wood, whereas the <laughs> film, the game is based on a tropical island. Yeah. I mean, got to get those tax breaks. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is why I'm like quite excited to go to Canada. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, this is like TV and films, New York. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto anyway um and maybe Vancouver I can't remember but yeah it's um it's it's a nice location good good setting but uh story-wise left a lot to be desired for me I'm not the world's biggest action fan anyway so a lot of this does ride on 
your enjoyment of those scenes because the plot's pretty thin on the ground there. And then if you couple that with the performances that were given, um, can't particularly say uh, um, the characters had much uh, uniqueness to them. And again, Claire, you might want to talk about your video game archetype, but I think it's true. Um, it was less so this time, and at this time it just did feel like screenwriting 101. Like, it just felt like, okay, yeah. let's have two characters who have a common goal, they want to save a mutual friend or person. And let's put them in a scenario that's difficult. Let's put, you know, small inconvenience, medium inconvenience, big inconvenience, and let's then have him save the day. Like, nothing. Like he's grumpy. She's precocious. Like, kind yeah. of like there was nothing enemies wrong to lovers things that happen in, like, the first half an hour. <laughs> that's exactly it. Like, there was nothing wrong with anything in the film. It was just very, like I said, like, generic. Like, mm. th- this could have been mm. any story on paper and i mean i know you can you can reduce any film to you know the basic five out of the five what was it yeah Hades, but Hades, when this mountain maslow's hot no that's hierarchy who would ever did the story mountain of the five phases that i used to teach my yeah yeah, yeah. About? you can reduce all films to that but this one felt like but this didn't need much that reducing that's the thing yeah that's yeah. what i would say um there isn't much beyond that the, there isn't much meat on the bones beyond mm-hmm. the basic character a and b meet with a joint thing then they go also i forgot to mention that that jack actually worked with max in the military so i Mm -hmm. did they explain how he happened to be working like right by the island that he was being super soldiered on no but max was the one that told her about him he did say if anything happens to me go to get this guy oh okay all right just so happened that it was close Maybe um, he knew that he was Maybe if he was on a different island, he would have asked for a different friend. And she would have married maybe. a different man. <laughs> True. Um, so there was... No, there was, no. I make you right. I think character-wise, there's a lot more here than like the characters in Alone in the Dark, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have a personality. but And I do think overall this film does is much more competently made mm-hmm. than something like Alone in the Dark... Maybe not in in the name of the king was pretty decent as well, different genre, but it had no. I mean, like in terms of like the competency in which it was made, but he also had a massive more of a big budget for that. Um, so Russell seemed to imply that he felt like this budget was not spent on the film. Yeah, no, <laughs> I felt that it it um, it looks like it should have cost about five six million dollars. If I'm honest, like yeah, there's some okay action scenes. Like I think the opening one where it's the super soldier taking out soldiers or guards. Um, and you didn't see what it is. That's fine. That's pretty well done. And I quite liked the, when they get off the boat, there's the thing with there's like cars and bikes and helicopters all trying to take them out. And that's quite well done. But then when you get into it, it feels like it's just set in this one factory slash facility and that's it's like oh, mm. the second half is all in this one building and then when it at the end like they leave the island you just see that facility from far off and it just looks like any factory to me like yeah a, a generic factory and that's why i was surprised at the cost of it because it feels like the second half just gets centered in this kind of like single location mm. um yeah. and they did the first half isn't exciting enough to be like oh they spent all the budget on the first half yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting, though, and that's why it feels so 
it feels cheap is because they try and make the, this plot have stakes and everything and they try to imply I don't know it kind of gives off a vibe that you know we're going to this island and it's going to be xyz and when you only get to see one part of it and then you know the, the I would say the last third of the film is kind of the worst of the action scenes mm-hmm. it's just a massive like um what's the word decline in interest um because I agree there's some some in, there's some interest like the boat stuff's quite they've got they've got a few bits going for it. it's not sort of like the same thing over and over again with the fighting until it gets to the end and that's where I kind of glazed over and that's why I didn't notice that people were died for example <laughs> <laughs> well it's also um, just a lot of shooting and so at some point like you're just like oh who hasn't been shot like everyone's just yeah. shooting and we're, as an audience it's just like shot of this person shooting, shot of this person shooting, group shot of everyone shooting, and you're like, right, who am I following? Yeah. And that kind of, and, and it's just not for me anyway, that kind of action. So, and like I say, at one point, I was just like, wait, so who are they fighting? Why are they fighting those people? Just ends up being a little bit um, aimless um, with that side of things. Um, but the barrage of action does for me feel quite close to a first person shooter mm, like yeah, yeah it's why it's for me that it's strange as a far cry film because it's a first person shooter most of the time you're spent just shooting people and that's the entire point of the game so it's like the plot is almost the divergence from the mm. the game the bit at the end which yeah is not great and i couldn't tell you who dies and <laughs> it's all just people shooting at each other and i guess because like the thing with first-person shooters is that they can be immersive. It's like you're experiencing it yourself. Like there's a game called Alien Isolation, which is your. It's a first-person, not a shooter because you don't really have a gun, but you're being stalked by the Xenomorph from the Alien series, and that's mm. really immersive. Um, and I've played some VR games, which are just great for making me want to throw up. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I think it's that. I think my problem is that the. the thing that's closest to the game is the most boring bit of it because it's not immersive they're different mediums yeah yeah definitely um and like it's like there's loads of video game adaptations that don't work like there's doom which straps on a camera to a gun and that's not a good sequence when you're recreating doom um yeah um just once i think but had like oh who did it have carl urban mm. Rosamund Pike and The Rock. It's just Doom was my brother's like favorite game when we were growing up. Like he play, he would play it like once a year, like all the way through constantly. Um, but I don't know. I assume he's seen it though because he was also a big rock fan. Yeah, it did feel like a bit of a flop because it's not an adaptable game. It doesn't feel like because it is again. It's I think that's an, a VR experience rather than a movie. Mm. And yeah, like, um, I saw the Gran Turismo trailer at the cinema this weekend and that they've grafted a story onto it that isn't the game. Like, it's it's a story about it's someone like playing the game. Thing, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. so it's like, there are these, like, video games which are popular for players because they're immersive or because you want to be the driver, you want to be the person shooting the gun, you want to do Normandy if you're doing the Call of Duty games. But they don't really have stories or plots, which this doesn't have after, like, we're on the island. There isn't a great deal of plot. Mm. Has just this evil scientist called Krieger, which was very distracting for me because I love Archer. <laughs> and the name of the scientist is Archer is called Krieger. Okay. And we called our first, 
born daughter Krieger when she was in my wife's belly because we were watching Love Archer. <laughs> oh my time. god, that's so funny and creepy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, she's called Charlotte now, so she's not called Krieger. I wasn't allowed to call her Krieger when she was born. But she's yeah, respectful enough for, um, for that. Like, that. Yeah, I didn't get good naming rights. Um, yeah, I so I, was, I I just think it's the format of Far Cry is not applicable to a um to a film and like any successful video game films are because there's either a world you can immerse in so like detective pikachu's a pretty mm-hmm. fun film because it's such an expansive world to take in mm-hmm. or there's the last of us which has this incredible story to the game mm-hmm. and so you can just do the story and it, it kind of makes it a good tv show in that mm-hmm. case mm. Agreed. And I think this is a running theme with the other um, films that he's done as well. In that, um, like something like Alone in the Dark, he takes a very small aspect of that game um, and then kind of completely re- revamps and revitalizes what um, what it ends up being in the film. And then in the name of the king, again, I think it, it didn't, we were talking quite a lot about the core mechanics that the film had that maybe it could utilize a bit more that make it unique to that game. Um, so again, unfortunately, I think it is one of those things where he's taken the name and the rights of something, taken bare bones and kind of just gone and made quite a generic action film, um, harnessing harnessing the name and the rights so that he can make the money. Well, not make the money, because <laughs> it did not make any money. Um <laughs> I don't know if we... I don't really remember talking about how well his other films did. Um, they normally... Mm-hmm. It's hard to get the figures, but they normally flop at box office, but they also get very reduced releases, and they tend to, in most mm. countries, only get released, you know, maybe Germany, maybe America, but then the rest is all DVD sales. And I think I said on another episode from an interview I read with him, he's adamant that they all made their budget back through DVD sales, which I could believe, to be honest, because he's right at the peak of DVDs for a fiver and HMV or less, and I can well imagine people just buy this to give it a go. Yeah, because it's got the name attached to it, so in some ways he's kind of still benefited from that. But now I'm just like... How does he keep be given, being given money if they're not making money? It's a lot of things with tax, though, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like, there's like massive tax breaks for these films. That's why they film ah, when they film. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I think as a as a production company, if your film will incrementally make its money back over five six years, and yeah, as you say, this is a big three pound ASDA vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you'll see the Far Cry case and you'll buy it because it's far cry and everyone knows and i guess with this one it's that the far cry series has only got bigger since it's released Mm. like the first game was popular but they've become more popular and i think that's how it works with his like that and there's a lot of films a lot of films being made that are probably about this quality or maybe slightly worse that are just like i remember i used to like go to asda and you'd see all the like was it the asylum like and it was like (laughs) like, they had a a dvd called tangle tangled together or something and it was basically like (laughs) a complete copy of the tower from tangled and a complete copy of the wording and i was like we're just praying on grandmothers amazing praying on ditzy grandmothers (laughs) 
Oh, the McTangled, that's a movie my granddaughter really wants to see. Oh my God, it's only £3 and they'll buy it. And that poor grandchild has to be like, Nan, you're an idiot, this is shit. Like, I don't know, kids watch some terrible weird films. Weird knockoff Beauty and the Beast version mm-hmm. that I used to love at my grandma's. Maybe yeah. that was what happened to her. Yeah. Um, but also, like, I think we did speak about it back when we did the first one, which was the Blood Rain one, I think about all the tax write-offs and that basically it was like a massive like tax incentive thing i think in germany which is where he's from and right. then they they cut that off because they realized he was like fucking raking in loads of money and i'm sure he wasn't the only one but he's probably the most prolific one um right. and that tax incentive is no longer allowed i like i think we did talk about the exact figures in Blood Rain, I don't have them in front of me now, I can try and find them again and post them when we put the episode up right. but like, he was getting a fucking He liked to take advantage of the system Yeah, and fair fox, why not? You've got the dipshits you've got the dipshits in WB and Disney fucking writing off films that exist, that have been on yeah. streaming for five months and then they're like mm, we didn't make enough money, so we're going to write it off and completely delete yeah. someone's experience they fucking deleted the whole Rise of the Pink Ladies after it had been online. And they got for nominated seven weeks. for something as well. It's just crazy, isn't it? And it's just the, the thing that, like, and I said it at the time, and I might have even said it, I might have already had this rant. That is not just the actors and the creators. The choreography, no. the set design, the production design, the costuming, that is months, if not over, over a year, two years of work to get that choreography, that music, those costuming, those set designs right and it's so beautiful and their portfolio now doesn't exist they do not have that on a reel that they can bring to their next job and be like i worked on rise of the pink ladies here's an example of my work because that just doesn't exist anymore so if those dipshits can get a bit of tax money back then let uve bowl do it (laughs) who knew that that's what we'd be campaigning for on the (laughs) the podcast but absolutely I wonder what he'll. Um, I don't. I don't know if um, we've looked up. We probably have. What he's doing next? I think um, it's another like original. I don't think it's video games anymore. Yeah, I think he's, he's kind, kind of moved, moved away, away from, from the video game right? stuff. When I think when he couldn't do the tax scheme anymore, I think because he, he couldn't afford like, the rights oh, for stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, what do we feel? Do we feel like he brought anything specific to this adaptation? Um, Good or bad? <laughs> I don't think he really has like an auteur style. Like, I feel like <laughs> any of these films, if you didn't tell me that he had directed all of them, I wouldn't have any clue that they were directed by the same person. Yeah. I know, Russell, you haven't seen any others, but like, even just watching this in comparison to other films and TV programs you've watched, like, there's nothing distinctive about this. It's very just, like you said at the start, a generic beginning, middle, end, mm. proficient film that is a story. Yeah. And like, I, it's like even like with House of the Dead, which I've not seen, but I do know that I think the finale cuts in bits from the game, like actual footage of the game, yeah. which is a terrible thing to do because the game is like an arcade game from the 90s. So yeah. it looks now ropey as. And it's not even like there's that in this. Um, maybe it's his humour. Maybe it's that there is like a strong attempt at humour at times. It's like Clint Howard is in this film, or I can't remember who he plays. The Chris Coppola Cook character who him staying in the film feels like a directorial choice, like him becoming yeah. this like distinctive figure who's like at one point he, he comes on, he complains about carrying boxes and he's sort of 
out of breath, pulls out a sandwich, and the guy starts he starts choking and all this stuff. Like, there's all this like comedy. He like thrown makes into a noise think... when he goes to eat the meatball sub. That it's just hilarious. I can't even remember what it was now, but it was along the lines of. <laughs> yeah, and so I I think it's that I think it's in... what Ubro brings is the comedy, which I don't think I laughed at any point. So I don't know if it's good comedy, but it's at least. Like this An could attempt. be just a straight action film that's quite humorless. Yeah. And you'd have maybe a eighty-five minute film as opposed to a ninety-five minute film. But yeah, I think it's that ten minutes of comedy, the uh attempts at flirtation between <laughs> uh, Valerie and Jack, which I mean it, it begins before they get to the island. They have the bit where they're barbecuing and there's like all this like yeah. banter and inverted commas. Um, and none of it's good, none of it works, but it at least is an actual attempt at comedy. And I think that's, I think Ubal adds comedy it's, to his it's films. It's really interesting to say that because I don't know how you feel, Daisy, but I don't feel like Alone in the Dark, Blood Rain, or In the Name of the King particularly had any comedy. But like I've just checked, no. this comes out, this is one of the last, like, this is the latest of them. Um, they came out 2005, 2007, this is 2008. And this to me, when I was watching it, felt the most American of all the films that he'd made. Yeah. And I do wonder yeah. if, like you say, it was a, it was a determined effort to put that humour in. Because he's like, oh, the Americans, they don't like the my American movie. Market. Americans like silly, lazy humour. Let's force that humour in there to make it more accessible because obviously Europeans have that idea that Americans are a bit... You're yeah. right, it did give that <laughs> off that vibe a little bit. Yeah. So I think, mm. I think Russell's right that like, that is very much the because the other directors wouldn't have made those choices. Mm. Well, interestingly, um, there's some familiar names across the screenwriting. So um, we've got Michael Roesch, um, who was from Alone in the Dark, In the Name of the King, and he did House of the Dead. Peter Shearer? Shearer? Shearer. Again, um, all the other three that we've that we've done before, although I don't no, it says writer and producer known for those, so maybe I don't know if they did all the roles. Um, and then the other name is uh, Masaji Takai, um, who actually did Blood Rain Two. So it's his like maybe it's like the, this is the like Adam Sandler group of <laughs> the writers room pals, you know, writers mm-hmm. room. But it is interesting because the writing do does feel one. slightly different given, huh? Sorry, oh, yeah, I had to say there. It's just like when you were like the group of pals. I was like, yeah, let's just do another one. Let's all go away on oh, vacation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's all go on vacation together to the Canadian forests. Um, but, yeah, no, it does feel different. It does feel more American for an American audience, Americanized. Um, the the influences on like of European cinema were a lot more, well, in terms of tone and style, were felt a lot more in... German, especially in Alone in the Dark. Um, but, yeah, and, and I would say in, in the name of the king and um, Blood Rain as well. But then that had the benefit. benefit. It had the element of the fact that it was, you know, um, medievally kind of set. Whereas this is a lot more... American this soldier. is an American, yeah, American soldiers, shooty, shooty, patriotism, even though I didn't have that in there, but, <laughs> Felt like you know, it, it gives, you just, it just gives a vibe, you know, um, so that's a really, really good point, actually, I didn't think about that before, um, so we weren't a big fan of the, the, the cringy dialogue across the board, it was just me, 
Um, yeah, I think something like that coupled with wooden performances, I think, uh, fair to say across the board, um, just massively down, down votes, down votes. What's the word I'm looking for? Pulls down an entire film, um, and makes it feel a lot worse than maybe it could be. Um, but I get the impression that, um, Till Schweiger's, um, a good actor, I know that he's good in Inglourious Bastards. I haven't seen him in anything else, but um, is he in Inglourious Bastards? He is the German soldier who is at the bar with Michael Fassbender when he's oh, speaking German. Okay. Um, and I think he's in a couple of other scenes as well. Um, but like, I don't think he's got like a. I, I might be wrong though. I didn't assume that he had like a, a reputation as being like a bad actor or anything. And to be fair, I don't think he was the worst in this. So I think Till was was a bit of a coup for, um, for Uwe Boll to get. Sounded like someone he wanted to get for the series. And I, I think he, he does okay. It's not a great performance by any means, but it kind of like embodies what I might like get from the character. Like, I think he kind of like ticks that box. Udo Kier, I think, just has the look of an evil scientist and that kind of really elevates and, and takes him so far with that. Um, but yeah, I think overall the performances just didn't work for me. Very cliche, very wooden, and it made it hard to watch, to be honest, because of that. Coupled with the lack of story, um, it wasn't great. <laughs> it was not great. But in terms of like competency of filming and editing and choreography, choreography in some instances um probably one of his better ones potentially mm. um I, I, I would maybe less i would less say better and, be, and more just like polished maybe in in how it sort of comes across um anyone else wanted to share anything about look and feel of the film or in the performances anything like that just all felt like i was watching an episode of tv <laughs> yeah for sure did you guys notice any um cameos at all i don't think i even noticed that the movie was happening so <laughs> no true you have so i didn't that. notice him but i know that clint howard is meant to be in there somewhere and according to wikipedia anthony bourdain that is, i don't remember yeah that's who i was picking uh up on however i did not notice him at all yeah, I, I don't know who Anthony Bourdain is in this. I, apparently I like, he... the chef? Yeah, apparently he visited the set in Vancouver during the, the a taping of his own show. Um, small and uncredited role of a scientist who gets shot near the end of the movie. So I, I was going to look it up after and be like, oh, let me just check. I just didn't. Couldn't be bothered <laughs> in the end. I know what Anthony Bourdain looks like, so... <laughs> I trust uh, trust the trivia on that one. Um, but I don't think he acted again, so do that with what you will. No, joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, we're going to have a quick chat about how it was received, some box office, some reviews, go into a bit of, uh, bit of detail there. I know the budget was mentioned before as being quite high for, for how it came across. I mean, I've seen IMDb-wise... It's got it covered at an estimated 30 mil. Is that what everyone else was seeing? Did we say where it is on the IMDb list? Oh, no, we didn't. And we didn't even say 
what the rating was. It is actually number 66. Okay, so... Bottom, so two-thirds. Like yeah. yeah. I never know. Yeah. Second half of the It's list. like... Yeah. Second half of the list. Two-thirds down, which means it's in the... Bordering on the uh, the better end of the scale <laughs> for us. Um, and it's a 3.2 out of 10 on IMDb, so... Quite low, quite low, really, considering, like, rating-wise, considering. But maybe it's one of those ones, again, it's like the name attached to it, the more people see it, the more they've got expectations, the more generic this is, it kind of all balances out. But, yeah, £30 million, uh, not pounds, dollars. Apparently, estimated on IMDb, gross worldwide, and I don't know if this just counts for actual box office or it's DVD sales as well, it can't be. It must just be box office. It's seven. They've got it as seven hundred and eighty-three and a half thousand dollars. So, for the cost of this film, you, you could get three of these films for the cost of one Oppenheimer. And the sum okay. would not be. <laughs> you get ten of these for one Indiana Jones. Okay, nice. But so this is thirty. I can't do the math. Marvel's Secret Invasion TV show reportedly cost $212 million. Anyone could do that. Jesus math. Christ. Hold on. No. That's like seven? Just under seven? Six okay. and a half. And there are like six... I don't know if there's going to be six or eight episodes of Secret Invasion. And Secret Invasion has been a bit shit and not looked the most polished. So actually, that, that feels right. That feels right. Yeah. So, Just you know, not, when, you could not when he didn't get... even make a meal back, it's not great. <laughs> Well, I mean, Probably Secret Invasion ain't making no one anyone fucking money. Ooh, Blumhouse. That's true. Yeah. So, again, sorry. Yeah. Maybe Blumhouse should have made this. You could get... So Blumhouse is like five to seven million a budget for them. Really? Not The Exorcist. I think that's got a lot more money to put in it. But yeah, in general, they make quite cheap yeah. things. And I did... And I wondered, like, did like how much of it went to the cast? Like, the main... The, like, um... Till Schrieger on this one because I know that he really wanted it on it him on it so maybe a big chunk of it went there um, yeah I guess just like the thing is the thing is the reason things cost so much these days is because they rely so much on CGI and visual effects this was made like 15 years ago and there's not really that much CGI on it no but that's what I'm saying it's like, uh -oh. I know it's a lot but the reason stuff so much more now is because of that, and this doesn't have that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I was Stephen expecting that, point. by the way. I was expecting the monsters to be CGI. That's mm. one thing. I don't think he because likes they're CGI the start. very much. He doesn't use, or at least in the ones that we watched, he hasn't used a whole lot of CGI. I don't think he's big on it. He used it for the monsters in Alone in the Dark. For the monsters in Alone in the Dark. And I, but, but I do, I, I'm not saying that, that CGI and VFX is the answer to making things better. But there was something quite hokey about the, oh, the super no. soldiers on this. If the super <laughs> no, sorry. If the super soldiers had been CGI, it would have been a hundred times worse. Well no, I'm right not saying decision. I'm not saying that they should be completely CGI, but they were just guys you know like when you do Halloween makeup and it's like really, really bad coverage white paint Look, with a sponge? I, I watched like that's like what 10... it kinda looked like. I watched 10 seasons of The Flash from the CW, so, like, <laughs> this is my level of super soldiers and bad guys, you know. Okay, okay. It was kind of giving me 
bad like agents of shield not good agents. yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. and that's that's why it it feels like a made for tv movie it feels like a tv show yeah feels like a tv budget feels like feels small scale yeah but maybe are we yeah it does but then there's like no in between now is there Mm. you get look at this and you feel it's really small scale made for tv where's the like notes small budget compared but where's the budget gone on this doesn't feel like it's spent anywhere but then you get the same thing when you see the massive budgets now and you're like where is all of that money that all of that money is gone on the cgi and vfx and the people aren't even being paid properly it's just like on barbie yeah. it went on the pink paint yes true <laughs> real tangible productions oh, fucking um good. but yeah that that figure for gross worldwide can't can't be dvd sales as well right that must just be box yeah. office yeah, normally they um, normally they don't report DVD sales on that figure. Yeah, but so because it wasn't released, um, in cinemas in either US or UK, I can't remember. But it doesn't have any kind of like it doesn't have much on and in the way of like critical reviews in the same way that we'd usually do some of the other ones. So it's quite light on this side of things, but it does have an audience score, and you'll be very pleased to know, Claire. It's only 12%, so half of what the Flintstones is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Far Cry received negative reviews. Most critics saying it does the game no justice. IGN gave the film 3 out of 10 and said, perhaps one day game companies will learn to be more particular about the directors they choose to realise their products on the big screen. Fans of the game and fans of movies in general would be wise to avoid this one at all costs unless, of course, your purpose is to mock. I think that's the thing we haven't really discussed as much is the impact that it has on the game's sort of credibility. Well, so that's the, the interview I was reading earlier, which was when Far Cry 2 was coming out. And they said that they didn't feel like it massively impacted Far Cry 2, but they said that it could hurt the brand. I think they were confident mm. enough in their game that they were like, look, it's not going to hurt the brand. Our game is good. People are going to love Far Cry yeah. 2. But they were like, you know, it isn't great that there's this subpar film that has our name out there and they were making it very clear that they had nothing to do with the film. The rights mm. to the film were bought before they or Ubisoft were ever involved. Mm-hmm. And when they were asked how would they feel about another Far Cry film, they said while well, they have no issue with a Far Cry film, they would have an issue with an Uwe Bowl Far Cry film. <laughs> and I don't think these his films whilst they're um related to to you know the people i think it's I, I think it ends up being a little bit of like a subsection of people know about it if they're into the get into into the particular community of the game whereas they're not like the sort of scale now where you get like uncharted or last of us if they were bad everyone would know about it kind of thing um so yeah, so there's another interesting um, point to consider there. Um, it's actually, so it's a 1.6 on Letterboxd, which is obviously out of five. So yeah, that stacks up to the 3.2. Few reviews um, from across the board. Jet the Bomb said, it's a far cry from far cry. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> Had to get a pun in there. Well done, Jet. <laughs> Lucas Colvin said an absolute clinic in stiff, mo- what, uh, stiff wooden acting, which I had to agree with. 
Todd, interestingly, says, and I think we did touch on this earlier, Bowles seems to have no concept of film language. And I, I don't know if it's not quite the same. It's kind of going down our point of um, his, uh, I don't know, his stamp on things. He says, I've rarely encountered a movie so lacking in something special, some dynamic quality, something being emphasised, just anything to make you care. You keep looking at it and stuff is happening, but you don't really care about it happening. But you don't care enough to stop it from happening either. It's a boring mess. <laughs> and that very much, like, we've not really spoke about in this episode, but in previous episodes, but we're like, he's a great producer because it, that's it. Stuff is happening and a movie yeah. is happening and a, it's a, a product is being followed and there is a product at the end of it. And it's it's well enough made that you don't turn it off, but it's not good enough to recommend, to watch again, to enjoy, to have yeah. pleasure. It is just a product that is on the screen in front of you that passes time while you maybe do other things. Yeah, it's like functional and that's not what you want from art really, is it? Um, And then another point just to make in terms of sort of legacy. In 2013, Variety reported that Ubisoft was developing another Far Cry film based on Far Cry 3, along with Watch Dogs and Raving Rabbids film. (laughs) I love Raving Rabbids. Um, But apparently it was later adapted into a Netflix series, which was like an anime version. Mm-hmm. Of it. And I'm Which guessing that's even... died. Yeah, Netflix well, I didn't. Even re- I read that and I was like, has this even happened? Because um... that was announced in 2020 or 2021 and there's not been a single update following the announcement. So I'm going to assume that that. Oh, it's just going to be like. Oh, I see. Yeah. Like it might so. still be in production, but if between 20, like that's at least two years, if not three years ago, and not a single update. Oh, hold on. There's something from June this year saying coming this year. Oh, okay. But it's like a very small site, so I don't know. Mm. Um, well, there might be a Far Cry yeah, animation might be. coming to Netflix if they learn to pay their actors and writers. T- t- yeah, exactly. <laughs> nothing, nothing at the moment. Um, okay, so shall we go around Ram Robin and do... Uh, do our ratings out of five so we do our five but we can have half sometimes claire goes with a decimal point don't you and go no no i'll uh... <laughs> no I, I always suggest it but i never actually do it no exactly you're very like i would never even be able to like guess it at this point it's hard enough doing out of five. we all know um, how much i struggle i'm gonna go with 2.5 probably actually a two but I'm giving it that extra five out of doubt of my own issues in that I hate shooty films, I hate action films, I hate films about army. So I mm-hmm. went into this with a lot of already predetermined hate. So yeah. it probably actually is a two-star film, but I really disliked it. So I'm like, maybe it's 2.5 because maybe some of my hate is just that it's not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's not. It's, Russell, it's not. Um, so I quite like a shooty film. Not they're not high up on my list of films, such, but I watch a shooty film. <laughs> I, I don't think this is a good, particularly good shooty, shooty film. Shooty. <laughs> so uh, um, I'm going to give this one and a half because the half is because it is functionally a film. It has a beginning, middle, and end. There is a script. There is acting going on the screen, and. But I don't think it's good. And maybe I have the luxury that I've not watched any more of Ubold's films. Mm. So maybe if I watch more of them, we're like, oh, no, actually, this was him being good. Um, <laughs> I've seen worse films than this. 
but that doesn't mean I think it's anywhere near a good film. Mm. And I'll be honest, I would have turned this off about 20 minutes in 30 minutes. I'd like a 30 minute limit. If a film isn't working for me 30 minutes and I'll turn it off and yeah. be like, don't care about that film anymore. So I think this would not have got much beyond 30 minutes had it not been that I was watching it for a podcast episode. You were being I think forced. I... <laughs> Having listened to <laughs> having listened to Russell, I then got on my letterbox to be like, what have I have to give two and a half to? Because you were like, I've seen worse, but I've seen better. And then I also gave two and a half to Apocalypse Now, Rear Window, <laughs> I, Tonya, Predator, Asteroid City, Inherent Vice, um, Looper, <laughs> apparently 10 Cloverfield Lane. And I think 10 Cloverfield Lane is a great movie. I don't know who did this letterbox, but it wasn't me. But I am now going to correct my rating and I'll be following oh, Russell good. going to oh, 1.5. I, I think I had it at one Ugh. on Letterboxd, but I'll give it an extra half Daisy, having I've given Princess Diary 2 a two and a half. I love Shut Princess Diaries 2. <laughs> so what are you amending in your rating amending your rating to? Well, I'm amending Princess Diaries 2 to at least three and a half. And I'm amending this to one and a half. <laughs> okay, good. All is balanced again with the universe. I'm so sorry, everyone. I don't know who I am. I don't know now who Now I need to look at what my letterbox says for what I'm going to score it, just so I can ensure that it, it is... Um... So I think I used to do two and a half, looking at some of the more recent ones. And it's two and a half for me used to be a film that I did not enjoy that I think had flaws but I can see why other people liked it and that's not this film this film is a bad <laughs> film so one yeah. maybe two but I'm gonna follow Russell because now I'm horrified and I feel like I need to like delete and restart <laughs> my entire like letterbox now because I don't know who I am there's so many films okay, on this yeah, list no, that I'm... I'm like I enjoy these films so <laughs> I actually Already pre, I was prepared and I pre-decided I was going for one and a half and I was not going to be influenced by anyone else. And it just so happened that you both were <laughs> giving it one and a half as well. But I am looking down my letterbox list and I've got things like a lot of our Razzie films um, uh, and other podcast films pretty much. Um, the Nun, which I thought was t- like bad um i really didn't like the new magic mic because it was everything that it was nothing like anything a magic mic should be for example cars 2 (laughs) (laughs) you know it's yeah i'm happy i'm happy with my i'm pleased to say one and a half it was a lot more i've got one i think i've got the four sharknado film i've got planes i've got Um, the requin oh the requin um i've got shepherd which was an appalling film um I've got Cherry. I fucking hated Cherry. Oh, I didn't ever see that. Yeah, you're lucky. Which one's Cherry? Cherry uh, Tom was Holland. the Tom Holland Russo Brothers Apple TV film. Oh, God. The one with the... I haven't seen it, but it's got a shot out of... Uh, What's-his-face's bum. Is that right? Oh, I don't... Maybe. Is that Cherry? Maybe. It's the one where Tom... What, Spider-Man is addicted yeah. to drugs. Yeah. Is that, yeah. I haven't watched it because it looked... I lost my notes on how much I hated that film. They were on my old phone. And, oh my God, good Lord, <laughs> I hated that film so much. Um, yeah, no, one and a half. It deserves to be one and a half. I'm sorry, everyone who I've ever let down with my ratings. <laughs> I'm glad we got that cleared up. <laughs> Do we think it should be on the bottom 100, though? 
nah. It's just so no, average. I've seen worse films made this year. I mean, I think Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Phoenix, Quantum Mania was <laughs> much worse than this. I thought the ghosted film with, I forget her name, Anna de Amaris. Anna de- oh, and yeah. That's definitely going to be a run for you next Evans. year. We are definitely going to have to and watch like, that. Yeah. Who directed I've already that? seen Someone it. Like directed that. <laughs> What's well, Dexter Fletcher, who I think is a fantastic director. So I've seen worse films released this year. I've watched a film that I have to review for Fright Fest that is worse than this. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so it's not a good film, but it's definitely not the worst. Yeah, and it's that it's functionally a film. I think the yeah. bottom 100 should be films that are not functionally That are like films, deeply like... flawed. There's no flaw yeah, yeah, yeah. in this. It's just it's not just very boring good. boring more than anything. Yeah, it's just yeah. boring and functional. Um, so yeah. we start doing this put you on the spot you've just said well you, you kind of gave it actually i was gonna say like what film would you put on but you just said that man and the wasp contamania so yeah yeah no that's definitely that that should be that. definitely I in the bottom that hundred films stuff. yeah i probably no well. no i oh. my, my partner got 20 minutes into that and then asked to turn it off and i went back and watched it all at, like one morning i was like no she was right so, <laughs> i always I overrate marvel yeah. films when i see them in the cinema because whenever i rewatch them at home almost always they go down by at least half a star so i do feel like i could rewatch that and it could go down to two and a half but peyton reed is my most consistently enjoyed director i realized i don't think he's okay. the best director ever but i very rarely dislike his films i've learned what else has he also, done bring it on oh sorry i've never <laughs> seen it did he do Down, Down With Love? I believe he did, yeah. The Ian McGregor, yeah. Rennie Zellweger, 60s. Um, that's that's, a, that's fun a fun film. film. He did Yes Man, which I think is underrated. Oh, okay. oh, like, okay. Again, a bit of a flawed film in terms of like some sexual politics stuff, but I enjoyed Yes Man. That was a comfort film when I was at uni. Um, I just, I, I always I tend to enjoy what he does. Um, and also Paul Rudd is my homeboy. He's my uh, most watched yeah. star of all time, and he will go okay. a long way for me. Yeah, so, yeah. Peyton yeah. Peyton Reed agree. and my Marvel fangirl and my Paul Rudd love kind of carried that film from two and a half to three, but it was weak. It's very low on my Marvel list. Yes, yeah. If you're looking at the sort of like where and Marvel's it's, come from to where it is now. It's, and it's in my bottom five yeah, of the year out of 30. So, like, I, I do agree week. But I mean, I will say that, like, they, Marvel can still do a good film, like Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Amazing. I, yeah, I couldn't believe I was crying at CGI animals meeting in heaven. I mean, I like, the minute I saw the trailer here? and saw the otter, I started crying. <laughs> I cried so many times in that movie. But... I just with the the new Ant Man, I just it lost the stuff that I quite like of the other it, two Ant Mans, which is like that band of fellow former criminals that it just felt feel human in and a they way. Felt that grounded off the previous films, yeah. You know? the, the other films felt small in the and not even in a ha ha he's an ant, yeah. but like they felt domestic. Well, they were heist movies. Yeah, they, they were, were fun heist, heist movies. movies. And then suddenly it's like let's go into it wasn't space; it was whatever the quantum realm is. I couldn't but explain to you what the quantum realm is. It was suddenly so sci-fi, and we all know sci-fi again. I feel like I just always talk about all the genres I don't like. I swear to God, I do love movies. I love dramas. I love romance. I love female-led independent cinema. Um, but none of those are on the bottom 100. <laughs> wait till we get to Crossroads, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. We will do it, Matt. We will get to Crossroads, I promise you. Is that the Britney Spears yeah. film? Yeah. I went out and bought I've it. On, I got it. it on DVD in a charity shop for like a pound. I've been sat waiting. 
Okay, cool. All right, should we do our should we do our top three? Mm-hmm. Um, so th- so for this episode, we have gone with the theme of military, which is hilarious, Claire, because you said earlier how much. You- <laughs> do you know how much I struggled hey, when I? I really because I also all the films that I like. That I'm sorry, you should have are- said we would have changed it. No, it was totally fine because I was curious to see what I would do. To be completely honest, because all okay. the films that I really love that involve the military, the military are the bad guys. And I was like, I can't just put... No like, one ton- said that they had to be the good guys. No, but I was like, I can't just put a ton of, like, harrowing, you know, World War Two Nazi films on my list. <laughs> no one's going to stop you. <laughs> no, I'm okay. I've got I've got six films, so I'm okay. okay. I'm happy with them. So. so, Russell, would you like to go first or would you like us to go first? Valis. You go first. I'm curious what your choice is. And it is just free, not Yeah, sexier. no, but I yeah. always have to have at least five in case we have the same Christine, one. I have some in the back of my head. I have like a free and then I've yeah. got like a few more like in slot in. If but I because we did a competition and it got really awkward where sometimes we'd have like two of the films the same and then just one film difference. So we've kind of yeah. had to instigate We try and expand. Yeah. Do you want to go first then? I feel like you keep being like, I never go first. I always go first, so I'll let you go first. I feel like I've gone first most recently, but I'm happy Well, no, to. It's, only, it's only because I think, I mean, I didn't feel like I had a hard time picking. Okay. Them, so. Um, God, so don't, person... don't assume anything about me from that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, I'm a massive hippie and I don't agree with the military complex, despite being a massive Marvel fangirl. Um, and I'm, you know, if I had been alive during Oppenheimer's time, I think I would have been thrown out for being a commie. Um, so <laughs> you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Thank God that doesn't, you know, happen now. Um, Greenpeace. Um, my first film is going to be Inglorious Bastards, which has come up a lot. Um, um, my favourite Tarantino, bad film, um, and also just like a really important time. It came out when I was at uni. It was very important to me. I've mentioned before in passing. I remade many of the pivotal scenes with what's it as part of something what? from uni. I've definitely <laughs> told you this so many times. Yeah, but you know how bad my memory is. <laughs> and I learned, because we tried to redo the cinema scene, and I had to, like, crush Watsits and make a giant Watsit on a big piece of paper to be, like, the cinema, so then we could set the cinema on fire of all the Watsits. Watsits don't burn. Cannot oh. set Watsit on fire. Learned what that made the hard you way. decide Watsits? I think we just were being stupid, and I was like, we should remake the film with Watsits. And so then we just like we also remade up people in costumes. Nice. Yeah, we were basically trying to do film reviews, but we couldn't for like a um, TV for the university, and we couldn't have we'd get the rights to obviously show clips from the movies. So we were like, we we'll just oh, recreate right. scenes oh, okay. in like silly. Yeah. yeah so um, one of my distinct memories of third year of uni is both fucking loving *Inglorious Bastards* and being sat in my living room trying to recreate it. Can't say I've recreated any of mine with anything, so for that you get an extra point. And talking about um, the military complex, I've gone completely the other way. (laughs) And um, I'm picking my, um, I think it ended up being my top, wait, what year are we in? 2023. I feel like I know what film you're doing. I think it's on my list. Did it come out this year or last year? Last year. Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) (laughs) Which Great I'm pretty movie. sure ended up being my favourite film of the year. 
I had zero expectations going in. I had never seen the original Top Gun. Our friend Matt, who's a journalist, invited me as a plus one to the screen. And I was like, oh, guess I'm going to have to watch the first Top Gun. Watched it. And I was just like, this is not gay enough. No, this is nowhere near as gay as everyone says it is. Um, but I guess for the time and for the general the general um, heteros, this is uh, this is as gay as it gets. And then The gays were starving. Cinema. You took what you could find. Yeah. Breadcrumbs. True, true, true. Um, and then, yeah, I went to see it. I think it was an IMAX screening. Yeah, it was. the screen was huge. It must have been. I was blown away. Like, I just feel like Tom Cruise and action are a match made in heaven. It felt so visceral. I didn't need to understand what completely was happening to feel the actual like weight and stakes of what was going on. And I think given we've just spoken about films like Ant-Man Quantumania and things like that, when you're coming off what feels like what, like Claire, you've described films as this before, but I'm not using it in the same context, but it's that candy floss thing where it mm-hmm. just doesn't feel like they're, re- they're real. There's yeah. anything to hold on to, And it kind of just disappears and it's just kind of like hitting the same beats and whatever. Whereas this was, and you know, I'm not, condoning or supporting the military propaganda um or scientology but those two things aside um it was just so surprising to me how much i enjoyed this film um it reminded me of going to see what was the mission impossible before this one was it fallout um that was out last time i had so much fun that and again it was so unexpected like i'm not a big action movie person but the stunts they were doing, the fact that they were flying their own planes, you know, the, the shots of them inside in the planes and just, um, it was just so much fun. The action was great, so visceral and it was proper thrills. Like that's what you want from like a popcorn blockbuster, which I think is kind of, dev- a lot of the recent ones have been kind of devoid of uh, lately. So yeah, that's my first No, choice. completely agree. Like that was on my list um, as a maybe because oh I went... and inglorious bastards was on my list so nice. um, i went to have, see to, have to support that too I went, I went to see it again as i said similar to oppenheimer under like peer pressure i know my my reaction when it ended was oh, it wasn't. <laughs> I, was, I was genuinely annoyed i was like god damn it everyone was right that was a really fucking good movie and i've still got the bloody one republic song in my head because it's like come back into the charts again sorry no in this house we support the lady gaga top oh i don't have time for ballads sorry i love a good power ballad um (laughs) all right i'm gonna go i'm worried you're gonna take one of my other two so i'm gonna go for i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for this one uh i'm gonna go for forrest gump oh no oh no i decided not to put that on there at all actually um yeah forrest gump you know it's it's forrest gump uh what can you say you know again a little bit military propaganda quite just americana propaganda but just a mm. great film, you know, it was one of those films that you used to go on Channel 4 all the time, and no matter what point you flicked onto the channel, if it was on, you'd be like, ah, fuck it, I'll watch, I'll watch an hour, two hours. <laughs> What's Gump up to these days? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was a very big fan of the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company in Leicester Square, RIP, Nisha Babes. Oh, yeah. Um, went on a really good date there. Have a What's cup that somewhere now turned into? That's the M&M, back of the M&M world? No, it was opposite M&M world. Um, I don't oh. know if there's anything there. I think it's just a, it's. I think it's still like a shrimp restaurant, but it no longer has the oh. the branding. Um, rest in peace, Bubba from the movie, and rest in peace, Bubba. 
<laughs> I feel like that's one of those films that's kind of, in my opinion, had a bit of a 180. Like, oh, people seem to hate it again now. The, yeah, people seem to hate yeah. it now. Um, I'm like, okay, cool. I still think it's great. Like, uh, leave me alone. I, like it. Goonies, I, I hate the Goonies, and everyone else gets to enjoy the Goonies, so let me enjoy Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> I do understand people's, like, you know, okay, it's this and that. But I'm like, but it's also just a film, so yeah. get over it. Yeah. It's just <laughs> Sometimes fun, people need to adventure. stop taking themselves so seriously. Yeah. Um, no, interesting. I left that. I left that one off just to try and explore some other ones. But at the same time, I've still gone for like the most film bro choices <laughs> ever. I'm trying to decide. Like, please don't take. My so this is my one. second so one, sad. isn't it? Yeah. This is Sorry. I'll be so sad if you take my last one. Well, I don't think you will, because I'm going to go for Dunkirk and oh, yeah, yeah. Nolan. No, thank you. Um, I think <laughs> I know what your your last one is, um, and that was going to be my potential other one. Um, but I mean, we all know how much I love Christopher Nolan. I think it's fair to say, other than potentially Tarantino, he is my favourite director. I'm so unoriginal like that. <laughs> Although they have massively fallen out. I don't know about Nolan, but Tarantino is very uncool to like him now <laughs> for various reasons. Um, and so Dunkirk, I'm not massive war action, you know, we've all discussed this before, but what, what I loved so much about Oppenheimer, all of Nolan's films, is he is a genius and a master of the film technicality and what I don't understand for some people find his filmmaking very cold. So I cold think for me. That's complete... why I can't get on with him. I find I feel the complete opposite in that I find it so incredibly like, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Fascinating how he uses the technicalities of filmmaking to create a story that makes me feel like, I'm there, like the visceralness of it. Um, but I understand if, like, that character-wise, there's a bit of a barrier for people. But, like, it's the technicality of these films that I love. And, you know, things like the sound design, the, the, the playing with the timeline, which I thought was just an absolute... I just never saw that coming, you know. Because that just pissed me off? No, I love it. I absolutely love, like, you. I know if people, some people see it as a gimmick, but I love gimmicks. <laughs> no, I'll always say, like, I don't get on with Nolan because of that coldness, but I completely understand why someone else it works so beautifully for. Because from a technical yeah, standpoint, I would say he, is that a, that's... he is a very good director. He has a stamp, he has a vibe, everything looks perfect, everything is timed to perfection. Dunkirk probably mm. being the most timed <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um it's hard for me to say because it's hard for me to say specifically about about this film because i think given that we've just had oppenheimer it's got me thinking about why i like him as a director overall um but given that i really really don't like war films the fact that i um it is something that i would happily watch uh repet not repetitively but it would be on my um i'd happily go back and watch it as i would with some of my other um, favorite directors films um just goes to show that it's yeah if we're going to talk about a film uh, a director that has a style and a stamp and a feeling of you know it's him and if he can do that on a film uh, with a subject that i really find quite hard to get into then 
like he's doing a good job. <laughs> um, I think I've already used this in a previous round, um, but I'm going to go with uh, Hacksaw Ridge for Andrew, with starring Andrew Garfield, because we all know how deeply obsessed I am with Andrew Garfield. He is the perfect man. Um, and I, I went to see this because someone asked me and I just wanted to go to the cinema. And I was like, sure. Um, and did not expect to enjoy it. Fuck Mel Gibson a little bit because he seems like not a very nice guy. He unfortunately directs. Oh no, it's this. proven he's not a very nice guy. Yeah, um, but unfortunately he does seem to be a somewhat decent director. Yeah, um, I watched Apocalypto at the weekend and I was kind of blown away. <laughs> yeah, um, but really enjoyed Hacksaw Ridge both because I didn't anticipate enjoying it in the slightest because I don't like war movies. I saw it because my friend asked me to go with her and also love Andrew Garfield. But I also think what I really loved about it was it didn't shy away from the horrors of war. Mm. There was obviously a lot of like, yay, America, patriotism, which is what I dislike about so many things. But he is a a young soldier. He's a a medical um, field person. And he refuses to have a gun and he refuses to take part in any of our violence because of his medical beliefs and his religious beliefs. And the sequence where he is on the battlefield trying to save the shoulders is so harrowing mm. and so intense and so immersive. But I sort of, it was a little bit glorifying the effects of violence, but at the same time, I also felt like it didn't shy away from the effects of violence. Like, people were fucking brutalised, people were torn apart, people were destroyed. And I also thought it was a really interesting story of like, you hear so much about like those wars, but I never heard of this guy. Enjoyed mm. learning about a uh, fellow pacifist. So. Mm, yeah, it was definitely an interesting viewpoint to show mm. uh, something like that uh, from, because a lot of it is hear about the heroes that died or, mm-hmm. or or the people that gave their lives, whether you're pro or against. But you, but you actually seeing like the the physicality of because he's a medic, yeah. that is the part of the war that he's seeing, and given that it's his views on it, it definitely made for an interesting angle on on yeah. things. No, I'd quite like to revisit that, actually. Um, because Andrew Garfield, yeah. No, because it's a good <laughs> film as well. Um, have I only done two? Is yeah, this my third your last one? one. Okay, so I thought you were going to take this one, but um, I guess not. And this is so basic, but I couldn't not because I rewatched it maybe a couple of years ago. And uh, I hadn't watched it for the first time until I was like a teenager. But and everyone was like, seriously, you haven't seen it? It's one of those films that ever like everyone has seen. Saving Private Ryan. I've never seen it. Well, there you go. But um, <laughs> I mean, like the fact that what who have I? Cho- well, maybe not Top Gun, but I was gonna choose Inglorious Bastards. So I was gonna have Tarantino, <laughs> Nolan, and Spielberg in my. <laughs> And this is coming from the girl who does film quizzes every month. Shout out to We Need a Bigger Boat. You're going to need a bigger boat? It would be helpful if I can remember what their actual uh, <laughs> quiz name is. Um, but I, I have started to get to the point where I'm like, will we ever do anything that's not Spielberg related? <laughs> <laughs> but there's a right. He's one of the best, you know, he's one of the best guys. He's one of the best guys we've got. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I've seen much of his recent stuff, I don't think. But Save a Pirate Ryan is just like... If you're going to think about, like, I don't know, like, performances, like, just that classic, well-told story um, with a a really good storyteller at the helm of, like, directing, who's done, like, he, he, he definitely kind of 
he does these adventure stuff and then he does the drama stuff, but it always seems to have the same kind of heart. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really, it's hard when you have one of the, we choose a film that's not like super like personal that maybe we've like, not many people have seen, but it's like, everyone, like how am I going to talk about this film that everybody loves? Um, but I mean, if you haven't seen it, it, it is up there as a good, as a great film for a reason. It's one, I think, probably one of Tom Hanks's best performances. I've seen it's got the f- opening three minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a very well lauded uh, <laughs> moment of the film. We used it as a teaching aid that... when I was teaching. Like, right. Very good. Um, yeah, it's just, it really is sort of like, um, is, you, is, is that for a reason? Because it's a, what, what's the phrase when they're just like, it's a, it's a it's a class in filmmaking essentially and, and how you and how you do it right and how you do it well. So there's quite a few other faces that you'll see in there that you know. Matt Damon. Vin Diesel in a very good turn, actually. Really like him in this. And a few other people as well. Um but yeah, it's just it's a, it's a Sunday afternoon movie. <laughs> it's like the magic of the movies. If you don't like war films, um I would say um if you if you like if you like more of the modern technical stuff Dunkirk, but if you like more of the old school movie magic, give Saving Private Ryan go because I think given that I don't like them and that's kind of given me an entry point into into those kind of films. Um, whereas they might be a little bit too far removed from people who for people who are, are majorly into the subject, it might be a little bit too glossed over in certain aspects um but if it's something that's a, a subject that's like sort of area of film that you're not usually into then those are what i'd recommend russell it is down to you you can use any of our you can use the ones we've done you're not in daisy dress claire um but yeah any free war films you'd recommend oh sorry military films <laughs> you'd Mil- recommend cool um thankfully you didn't pick any of the ones that i picked Ooh. i think top gun maverick was in like my like um also rans uh, because I tried to do uh, non-war specific films, so nice. films about the military but not about war. Yeah, we don't plus probably ones have enough that, of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I could tentatively cover on my own podcast. So, like, my first pick, and because it's a Joe Dante film, I had to pick it, is Small Soldiers. <gasps> right. Which is uh, what happens when you put military into kids' films. What was I thinking? I love that film. Exactly, it's a masterpiece. It's Joe Dante, and I love all of his films. I completely forgot and it's Joe Dante, actually. Yeah, and it's like nineties best. Oh, it's um, so fucking good. I'm so glad you brought that back to my. I'm gonna have to I watch love this. that film. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time. It came up on Netflix, and Stephen was just like, "Oh, this film creeped yeah. me out as a kid," and I was like, "I don't really remember anything about it." And then I completely forgot it's it's also, Joe Dante. And Gremlins is one of my favorite yeah. films. So I used to watch it every and it's summer. It's a great satire of the military, like of the American military complex. Right. Yes. Yeah, they always used to show it. We used to get the coach to Spain every year and it was obviously just like a family favourite because the coach player would always have like a DVD player or VHS at the front of the coach and they would mm. always put small soldiers on. So like almost every summer I'd watch small soldiers on a 24 hour <laughs> coach. Like, I love that film. Thank you, Ross. I was so delighted. Um, my second one is, um, so uh, a part of my podcast also that I cover films that you watch growing up so it's not just family films so i've picked predator because it's Mm. basically that aliens concept but with arnie so it's what if you put soldiers against an alien so it's got these burly military men all being taken out by an alien and i have a whale of a time and it is the first 18 i ever saw 
In fact, I saw it the same day that I first saw Saving Private Ryan wow. when I was like 10. Oh, double bill. And oh, wow. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan had more of an impact. I mean, Saving Private Ryan was harrowing when I first watched it. It, oh, yeah. was, it was, I think, the first time I watched violence that was Tangent, realistic. Realistic, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the intent was not to entertain, but mm. to show. But yeah, Predator is a wonderful watch. I'm a big and fan I of Predator. I think you did Predator yeah. on our last day, I did. Was that for Alone in the Dark? Yeah, for Creature Feature. Creature Feature, yeah. A big fan of the sitcom uh, ending, you know, when they have all of their, like, names come up. <laughs> it's just like, where has this come from? Yeah, it's a yeah. brilliant idea. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's wonderful. I love it. I might watch it again at some <laughs> point. Also, great sequel in Prey. If you didn't watch that last year, go off and watch Prey and Disney Plus because mm-hmm. it doesn't fit this, but I actually adore that film. It's wonderful. Uh, and my final one is, it, it's not Oppenheimer, though I circled that. It's a Hayao Miyazaki film called The Wind Rises, which is a Studio Ghibli film, and I've done the Studio Ghibli series. And this, in the same way that Oppenheimer is about the man creating, uh, a genius creating something of utter destruction, this is about a genius who creates planes for the Japanese army. So he is uh, an architect, an inventor of planes. And so it's this creative genius who's most, who's, the only reason he can do what he does is because he's doing it for the army. And mm. so it's, um, I think Hayao Miyazaki is probably my favorite director having watched all of his stuff and like spent a lot of time with his films. And this is a beautiful one. It's got a wonderful romance in it. And it's also, I, I don't find war films that interesting, but I find films about the people who do the people who are involved in the military industry mm. industry, the people who are making the bombs, the planes, the the people who do all the kind of other stuff. Mm. I just don't find war scenes that interesting anymore because I've watched them a lot because you watch them a lot when you grow up and they're kind of this staple of uh, films. But yeah, like I would choose Oppenheimer, but it's slightly too early for me to choose that. <laughs> Honourable mention. Slightly too much like, yeah. But so yeah, The, the Wind Rises is, oh, is wonderful and... I think it's on Netflix. I don't know. They were okay. missing around with Ghibli I was going to say, all the Ghibli is still on Netflix because that definitely, especially in the wake of Oppenheimer, sounds like something I'd enjoy watching. I think it's still there. There was this whole thing of like they were taking stuff off, but I think it was just that they hadn't announced they were keeping things on. I don't think... I think some have come off, but I think Wind Rises is probably still on Netflix. Amazing. And like, it has a great dub cast as well. Like, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the oh. lead character on the dub. So it's like, yeah, there'll be some famous See, faces. Unsubs so. over dubs, unfortunately. I will be watching dubs. I mean, it's also great in the subs, so yeah. <laughs> nice. Does that mean you haven't had Michael Keaton do Porco Rosso? Uh, I've actually not seen Porco Rosso. I've only done, I've done uh, Totoro, uh, House Moving Castle, which is my favourite, Spirited Away, Those Ponyo. are the three I've seen. I've done, um, what's the one with the wolf? Uh, Princess Yeah, Mononoke. I saw that in the cinema, actually. Uh, I've seen the big three. And I've done another really small kind of later one, which I can never remember the name of, um, which isn't that well liked. Um, it's just fine. Um, yeah. Is that Earwig, maybe? Is it, no, or is it no. It's like been okay. out for years now. Um, it's one where it's like, it's kind of just like a domestic drama one. It's that little girl and she like keeps trying to, she basically writes Take Me Home Country Road. Oh God! Is that whisper yeah, of the heart? Of I think heart. it is. Yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. one that people I've, ever are like. I love that one. No, I, f- I think that's by, I think that's the one that's by a director who is being positioned to take over from Miyazaki and Izio Takahata. Takahata, I think that's the other director. 
but they died in the 90s after making this film and so yeah they, they made stuff and the only film they ever made was that one it's nice it's just in comparison to the other Ghibli's it just doesn't have the resonance yeah. of How's Moving Castle and my beloved Castle yeah. <laughs> well I mean I love Porco Rosso because it is this wonderful romp that's also about the guilt of surviving war so I could have oh. picked that one actually because that's about like this um, pilot in the 30s who fought in World War One and his friends died and he didn't and so it's kind of that weight is in him but only like in the second half it's like it explains who he is but we only get it revealed sort of about 45 minutes into the oh, film I've seen a lot of people talk about Grave of the Fireflies and the Wake of mm. oh, that's so Harry. maybe I will do where the wind rises Porco Rust on Grave of the Fireflies triple bill and just like bum myself oh, the Grave fuck of the out Fireflies is... <laughs> yeah Grave of the Fireflies is utterly what harry. a weekend what a weekend <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely more of a blind spot for me as well. The studio Ghibli stuff. So, thank you for um, yeah, what is variety to our. <laughs> to my... to our well, I just I, I assumed that people would pick war films, so yeah. I was like, yeah. I could pick three I mean... war films, and it would probably be like Dunkirk and Saving Private Ryan, oh, yeah. and maybe even Glorious Bastards because it is yeah. a lot of fun. Um, my, I, um, I, was like, I had a few other ones as well as mm-hmm. honorable mentions. So, do you want to do your, your one first? Then? No, you go for it. This might be okay. on your list. So, there's a real mix here. So, another war film was the, the um, All Quiet on the Western Front uh, remake that happened recently. I really, really liked that. Um, I went to see Overlord in the cinema when it came out. That was really fun. <laughs> People just... I think it was quite divisive, but I thought it was fun. Um, and um, Mulan... Oh, I didn't even think. It was my little smart, interesting choice. Because <laughs> Mulan's one of my favourite Disney films. Um, and, you know, it's just a completely different... Well, it's a completely different take on the military because it's obviously way long ago in a different country. Um, but it's really interesting. that That is the crux of the story and, you know, being accepted um, under the guise of being a man etc is all baked into the story there and then also um last honorable mention to the five bloods which i really loved watching as well um i need to give that a revisit excellent performances in that wonderful wonderful performances so they were my extra ones but i went basic sorry (laughs) sorry if you want to hear basic i've got the basic bitch queen hat today um my honorable mention was nicholas sparks's dear john oh god (laughs) Is that with um Channing Tatum, Amanda Seyfried? Yeah, yeah, I've that was that it. was going to be my my basic bit choice. If you like Nicholas Sparks movies, it's, right. it's always your mileage may vary, isn't it? With these it things, it's mileage so. may vary. like it's on the upper scale of the Nicholas Sparks movies, but it's the lower side of the upper scale. Like it's just <laughs> before they become like right. a machine, and um, so right. like it's. It's on the better side of things, but it's on the weak side of the good. But it's not on the bad side. It's no notebook, but you know, it's no whatever the one that I always but what is? to watch because <laughs> I really need you to watch whatever the one is because I need you to I need you to just see the the, the twist at the end. I can't even remember what the film is now, but I'm gonna remember one day and I'm gonna make you watch it and I want to watch your face. Okay, it's nonsense. <laughs> what it is it's not, it's not well, it was... that robert pattinson film is it no but similar vibes i could have also done the um sack from nicholas sparks movie where he just is really hot with and has a really great shower taylor scene. from orange is the new black 
Yeah. Yeah. Nicholas Sparks loved the military. He's very um, military prize. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Exactly. Nicholas Sparks also a piece of shit. <laughs> we just like to set the record straight here so we've ended up going quite war heavy but remember we did choose the military as a theme um we're happy for that to be contended but that's what we went with so hopefully you enjoyed it um but in terms of the uh, episode for far cry um that's it wrapped up for us we'd love to um get your thoughts on it um so find us on twitter and instagram at w rated pod and on letterbox at w rated um let us know if you've seen it what you think? Do you play Far Cry and you like it? Did it ruin Far Cry for you, etc.? And um, did it deserve a place on the bottom one hundred? Um, Russell, do you want to let us know where people can find you, and if there's anything you'd like to shout about, you want people to check out? Please do share that as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm on uh, Twitter whilst it's on fire, so or is X. it now X? Is it called oh, sorry. Twitter or X? Today was the no. Yesterday was the day of X, wasn't it? We are recording this. I'm trying week. not to have Twitter an opinion on any X. of it. Okay, so whatever it's called, I'm on that. I'm also on threads, but I don't use that too much. Both of them at Russ Loves Movies, and I will share anything that I'm on or doing or writing. And my main project is uh, Not Just For Kids, which is a podcast that looks at family films and films grow throughout the ages. I am currently taking, at the time of recording, a break from my episode, my series on modern animation because it's far too big a series. <laughs> and I, I've got like, I think I'm 24 episodes into a 50 or 60 episode swing and they keep releasing really good animations like they've got to stop making these really great animations i have to cover because (laughs) i mean there's been at least four or five this year alone there's like there's pneumonia there's puss in boots 2 there's spider-man yeah spider-verse 2 there's just too many films um and right now i'm doing a star wars summer because i'm finally over how much i hated rise of the skywalker (laughs) and can talk about star wars so i'm doing uh a couple of months in Star Wars, and I'm going to go back to animation. Nice. Wow. That yeah, that's a that's a that's a real um, hard graft you've set yourself up for there. Although arguably just... more enjoyable than perhaps we set ourselves up. Can Can you imagine being like, I have to take a break from podcasting because there's too many good films. <laughs> yeah. Can What's you the problem? Imagine? Problems they're all like great films, and like they're all interesting. And like the last five six years of animation has been some mm. of the best animation that's ever been made, and like. When, like, Pixar's Elemental, which I, I really loved, is not going to be in my top four or five animations of the year, probably by the end of the year. It's it's a great year for animation and just gives me an increasingly tough task. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a double-edged sword because it's a, that's a fantastic state for cinema to be in at the moment. So yeah, yeah. Fans of that. Well, please do go listen and check that out. Um yeah give it a listen and um support great animation as well as these awful (laughs) films you love hearing (laughs) us talk about um claire where can we find you anything to plug uh no claire and hope claire that i'm not plugging anything at the moment by the time i get this edited and released maybe i'll be at venice film festival um i do believe some people really enjoyed my deranged venice tweets from 2021 maybe there'll be more (laughs) derangement this year Chaos Claire. Chaos Claire. Chaos Claire doesn't come out anymore, man. She's boxed away. Boo. Maybe she'll come out in Venice. I think I vote for that. Look, I'm in Venice on my birthday, so if she's ever going to come out. I'll put the tweet notification bell on. 
<laughs> especially for you. Um, you can find me at Daisy Vic Edwards on Twitter or whatever it decides to be called at this moment in time. And then Daisy Victoria Edwards um, on Instagram and Letterboxd. I would like to do a little shout out to the Is Paul Dano slash Dano OK podcast. Just released an episode with them when I went on to talk about um, SpongeBob SquarePants moving. They are doing a <laughs> character um actor uh, mini series off the back of their judy greer they are doing um won't you take me to clancy brown series um so i went on to talk about his turn as mr krabs um we were shocked to know that that specific spongebob film uh, mr krabs gets frozen for uh four-fifths of the film uh, <laughs> but it was still great fun so please um look them up on um on twitter on, on spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts is Paul Dano okay podcast um, and give them a listen um, our episode and the rest of the podcast series because it's fantastic you've been on twice I've been on once you've been on twice or three times yes I went on when they were doing um, Paul Dano and I went on to talk about Swiss Army Man I went on for Greer's to talk about oh I can't even remember the name of because it's the main character's name and I've forgotten what it was Barry Monday good film then Barry Monday it was not a great <laughs> Um, well, last thing to say is thank you to everyone for tuning in and listening once again. Um, if you do enjoy listening to the podcast, we'd love if you could um, give us a follow or subscribe. Um, and we'd love to know what you're thinking about it. So if you want to leave a, if you would like to leave a rating and review, that would also be well, well, well appreciated. We'd love to hear what you're thinking about the episodes. Um, and we hope you join us for the next one. And um, we're going to take on our next worst rated film then. Uh, see you then.